secrets from a coach. Thrive and maximise your potential in the evolving workplace. Your weekly podcast with Debbie Green of Wishfish and Laura Thompson of Phenomenal Training. Debs. Laura, you all right? Yeah, I'm doing well. Had lots of variety the last couple of weeks, catching up with people. It's been fascinating. Tell me more. Well, it's been fascinating just listening and learning and just finding out what people have been up to. How about you? What are you getting in terms of the interactions you're having? Yeah, um, same, a real crazy, busy week. Lots of talking to lots and lots of different people about what's going on for them and how they're feeling. And, you know, some of the some of the organisations are starting to get people back into the workspace um, and they're sort of having to cope with the change that that might bring. And, you know, still having this, you know, working from home for some days, in the office for some. So that's like, that's sort of turning out quite a few um uh, not uh, questions, I suppose, and oh, how do we work around here now? That's sort of coming out. Yeah, so it definitely feels like this is a quite a moment in 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 the uh, sort of histor- the, the bigger picture of the pandemic. So if we're kind of entering into a next phase, and it struck me, you know, I like a parallel and to transfer things from one world to another. So walking around town on Monday and just suddenly heard this glorious noise that I realised I hadn't heard. For over a year, it felt like, which was the sound of adults chatting and laughing in a pub garden. Ooh. What struck me, though, that was the most interesting thing is I was there with a friend who works in emergency services. And where I was looking at this scene going, wow, isn't that amazing? It's half past three in the afternoon and everyone's having fun out in a pub garden. She was looking at it with a completely different perspective, which is, right, well, let's have a look at that later and see how it turns out. Because her map of the world, working in emergency services, is very different from my map of the world, where I'd be the one sitting in the pub garden, not being brought along dealing with any of the aftermath that might have happened. And it really struck me how, as we all return back into a physical workspace together, we've had such different experiences How do we rejoin well now we're kind of in each other's physical space when potentially my worldview of what I think is right and okay and appropriate might be at odds or different from someone else's? So what are you hearing in terms of how teams are rejoining well as they re-enter a physical workspace together? Mm. Yeah, that's it's a really good point, Law, because, you know, some people would have um, maybe broken some of the rules, um, you know, gone and seen people maybe when they shouldn't. And others would have been absolutely sticking to the rules completely. So when they're having those general chit chat conversations, you know, it's how are people going to cope when somebody says something that somebody else disagrees with? And it's like, how do you agree to disagree when you haven't been around each other for so long? Because that potentially could cause some of the conflict then. And that relationship relationship that you thought you had could suddenly be turned on its head because somebody has done something that you completely disagree with and you're having to have that conversation with them to understand it better. And I think for me, it's, you know, how do we keep um, a bit of an open mind? So rather than just jump down their throat and go, ah, you shouldn't have done that and create havoc in that relationship. It's about being kind, I think, and just understanding it from each person's map of the world, as you were saying, and having that um, ability to empathise, I suppose, and ask questions, get curious about it and find out what, what their circumstances were. Because we don't know what people's circumstances are unless we ask them. And I guess this ability to be empathetic and open-minded is an ever-long requirement of good teamship. But the particular bit that I think is relevant right now when we put the 
pandemic lens through it is everyone's got a bit of skin in the game on this one. So although Brexit, for example, five years ago would have caused lots of disruptive conversations and energy within a team, unless you were directly impacted by Brexit legal scenarios, then potentially it was just um, a uh, kind of an over there conversation to spend time at the water cooler talking about. So although tensions may have risen and people were very impassioned about it, it could sort of stay at the water cooler and then you sit back at your desk and then that's it, you crack on with your day. What I think is different about this particular issue is everyone's got a bit of skin in the game. And when there is something where we've all been a little bit skinned and we've had a lot of experience and depending on different people's experiences, that's either been rougher or easier and smoother than others, then suddenly a chance comment while we're waiting for the kettle to boil could potentially trigger a really um, emotive topic of conversation that might take longer to calm down from and then be able to refocus on work. And I I think it's going to be interesting to think about um, the skills that are going to be required. My ability to be, um, the ability to use discretion in terms of the conversations that you continue or you sort of back out of. Um, the ability to deal with cognitive dissonance. Is that the right expression where I like you and I like working with you, but I don't like the information that you've just no, told what me? what you're telling me. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a, it's at odds with me. And, you know, suddenly, um, whereas before I might not have had that conversation with you on Zoom or virtually... Because, you know, it just wasn't one of those appropriate places to have that conversation. Yeah, because on a Zoom or a Teams call, you can just sort of subtly mute and back out of that conversation if it sort of left you a little bit cold. To physically back out of a room might be trickier when you're in each other's space. And then suddenly you're sort of stuck with this elephant in the room conversation that, you know, you've either got to actively participate or kind of back out. So I think it's going to be a really interesting return to the physical workplace, because for many people, this is the first return. And even for those that have returned before, I've speaking to someone who works in a retail outlet on Monday, and she was just saying how nervous she felt um, before her first shift back in, in, in work, you know, face, facing all the customers again. And I asked her, what's something that helped? And she said, I walked up and down the street for half an hour beforehand to arrive early and just to geographically settle myself with the high street again. And I thought that was a great tip to sort of just get herself in kind of mode again. But I think that I asked her, what's the difference between this time and the previous time you returned? And she said, this lock, the third one really knocked me sideways. I found it really challenging. She lived alone. And unlike the first time we returned, so, so much time has passed. Actually, we haven't yet rebonded as a team. We all just feel a little bit random in terms of how we're interacting with each other. And I thought that was an interesting point for us all to consider, really, which is when there are so many mixed feelings in the air, when we are physically back in each other's airspace again, how do we then rejoin well? How do we deal with that? So we're actually able to work well together. So being part of the team isn't in the way for me to be effective. It is the way for us to be effective. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, that you're being able to acknowledge that I might be nervous or I might walk up and down the street to you know, reacclimatise myself with the route or what I'm doing, I think is a really good point. And I think you mentioned that on one of the other podcasts, didn't you, Law, where um, if you Google map, you know, actually physically take the little man on the street so you can have a look at what's around you. And I think that's the bit that says, how do we create the environment again that we feel safe in? And how do we create an environment where, um, you know, we're not nervous about coming back into the office? 
and also just being, I suppose we could call it the COVID etiquette, couldn't we? Around, yeah, how are we going to do the rules of engagement again when we may have not met people because they've been, um, you know, they've been hired whilst everybody's been on, you know, in um, isolation, so they don't know. Um, So how do we get, if you like, those people coming back from furlough, new hires, all of that stuff? They're all different things that we're going to have to navigate our way through um, and be able to, you know, think about what's the best approach that I can take that's going to help me in this situation to get the best out of the relationship again. Yeah, too right. And I think like any relationship, you've got to front it out as soon as possible. So if you think about when you walk into someone's house, right at the start you establish, is this a shoes on, shoes off house? Yeah, yeah. Because if you don't establish that, basically someone else is going to be watching you the whole time, judging you going, I can't believe they're walking all over my carpet. (laughs) (laughs) How disrespectful. And the other person is completely blithely unaware that every step they're making is winding up someone else. Actually, that's something just like entering into a house etiquette maybe it's a new social norm in terms of how as a team we socialize well as we are learning to be out in wider society because my worldview quite literally has become a bubble because that's what I was told to do (laughs) exactly and that so that's your perception isn't it that's how it's going to stay and I think that's that bit that says you know how do we sort of move through it so if I can understand for myself. So my self-awareness is up there and how I'm going to manage that if I am um, confronted with somebody that's done something that I you know, don't agree with. So a bit of pre-thinking, I think, can help. Um, and then that would enable us to think about how do I therefore have more awareness when I first step back into that space um, and be ready, I suppose. That's the thing, not going like, oh, everything's going to be the same as it was before. It won't. So how can I at least pre-plan or prep something that's going to help me do that? Yeah. So, Debs, I've got a question for you. How, I know we talk about values a lot, but from your point of view, how useful is it for someone through times of change and uncertainty to remind themselves of their core values in a scenario like this? So what would be your suggestions on that for someone that is thinking, yeah, there's going to be some eggshells, actually, that already I can feel we're treading over as we meet again. Virtually, we were able to sort of dodge it, but now we're actually going to be there in the same space. It's going to be tricky to dodge it without it getting in the way of us being able to work well together. So in your experience, what can help with that? And my immediate thought, it'd be great to hear your thoughts on this, is about being clear on your own values. Yes. It's, it's like getting ready for the first day of term again a little bit. It's, you know, you're not going to rock up to school and hope that your school bag is still waiting by the door. You've got to do some prep uh, around it. And I think that's the bit around how am I going to f- make sure that I foster the relationships that matter to me? And therefore, in order for me to do that, what are my core values? So, you know, if we're looking at empathy, being kind, you know, curious, creative, whatever that might be, is how do I dial those up? so that I, they're at the forefront of my mind and that I'm going to use them. I was on a, doing a workshop earlier in the week and somebody said it's about having pocket sentences. And I thought, that's interesting. And she said, yeah, I, whenever I'm getting ready to go somewhere different, new for the first time or coming back into something I haven't done for a while, she has what she writes on a piece of paper, three statements that are important to her and then puts them in her pocket. So just before she enters in, she calls them her pocket sentences and she's got them ready to go. So she's prepped. Oh, I love it. Is that like before you go across to another country learning, where is the nearest pub? Yeah. <laughs> Can I have a large <laughs> glass of wine, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and where do I get a taxi? It- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to have those stop little sentences that, you know, you can you can just call on when you need it. And that's the same as your values, reminding yourself of what's important. And I suppose knowing yourself as well. I think knowing and just taking that time to maybe have a conversation with somebody you trust that you know, you're going to say to them, you know, I either feel really worried about going back into the space of work or the what if scenarios. It can sometimes help to have that conversation with somebody else just to sort of play it out. Yeah. And I think this is such a massive topic, Debs. I think this might be something that, I mean, based on the feedback we get, we kind of lean into even more because if we want an inclusive, diverse working environment, some of that means having to listen and learn to other people's perceptions of the world and what is right and what is okay and what's not that may be different from your own. And so if we are wanting a truly diverse working environment where we take advantage of all these different glorious characters we work with, or some of that is then taking the rough with the smooth. And the the rough is, is that sometimes not everyone will have the exact same opinion you have because A, yes, we've all been on a journey, but some of us went the sea route and all they're looking at is ocean. Others went the mountain route, and all we're looking at is that landscape. So we've all been away, but we've seen so many different things. Our travel log is going to be entirely different in terms of what we've then kind of picked up. And the second thing is maybe unlike, as the woman was sort of reminding me, I thought it was a great point, unlike before, this isn't just a couple of weeks we haven't seen each other. This is, as you said, nearly a year and a half, potentially. That's a lot of learning. And some of those, some of those early thoughts that we might have been more open-minded to listen to have now become entrenched and fixed potentially as fixed beliefs around your what you're saying is right and I agree with you so I really like you and oh I thought I liked you but you're not the person I thought you were because I've just found out you're a smoker what you know (laughs) and then the other person is going no I'm not a smoker it's just their menthols so you know it's not real cigarettes so it's amazing the little kind of cognitive tricks that we play on ourselves to be able to be um, kind of at ease with the environment we create around us. Yeah, and I think it's about um, getting back into the groove again as to, you know, what it is and, and that rhythm of regular connection and talking to people. And and as I said, just having that open mind to maybe explore what's different with somebody, you know, rather than just, as you say, assume that you know what they've been going through or, you know, what their experiences are, you know, have some empathy for them maybe. Understand them first before you sort of step in with your opinion because you've got you know we always talk about that from an emotional intelligent point of view law don't we where we say you've got to keep your radar on and therefore you know if you're noticing that something's not quite in alignment and it's veering off course it's recognizing that and doing something to bring it back into line and it could be oh my god I had no idea that's what you were going through you know and, and actually pointing that out to the individual where you say that and then say tell me more how has that impacted on you I think it's that asking great questions to understand it better. And if we can, you know, explore what's going on for somebody else with that curiosity and having an open mind, that can help forge those relationships maybe better than they were before. I had a client uh, just this week, they run a global team. And of course, these skills have been used in bucket loads because different parts of the globe have opened up, closed down different times. And so um, I was asking her, you know, what has enabled you as a team to stay cohesive? And this is still remote, um, but I just got a feeling that when they're back in the, in a physical room, um, they'll, um, they'll, they'll rejoin well because they've worked hard at it now. But she was saying, my intent always is to listen and learn because until you've got an understanding as to where that person's coming from, 
from. If you just stick your fingers in the ear going, la, 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 I don't agree, then um, you've just got two people shouting at each other, trying to, trying to convince each other. I wonder from an emotional intelligence point of view, we almost have a, like an emotional distancing. So it's almost like a two metre emotional distance. If this is a professional environment, then actually part of those professional standards is we'll be close and we'll talk and we'll have real conversations, but I'm aware of what might trigger me. I'm equipped with a few pocket phrases, as you said, to handle it and curate the conversation so it goes as well as possible with maybe a little bit of a two metre emotional distance so we don't just suddenly kind of collide and potentially muck up a relationship that could have led to being really productive together. And if you're leading a team or managing team or even just being in a team, some of that is about, you know, setting it, resetting the expectations. You know, what is expected of us now? You know, how are we going to continue to work together? And I know certainly in coaching terms, you know, we sometimes recontract with people, you know, maybe halfway through the conversation around, you know, OK, so we've come up with this. This is what's going on. Actually, before we take it any further, you know, where do we, you know, how are we going to agree to move forward with this? So setting those expectations and trusting each other that you, you know, you will have this level of empathy, understanding, kindness and care. Because until you've had those conversations, you have no idea what other people have been going through. You know, the more you can talk and just have those conversations with that open mind and that just we're all so different and that's okay. And I think that's going to help foster those relationships that we need, build that trust again that we're going to have to put into our team and maybe minimise some of the stress that people could be feeling about it as well. And I think it's one of those decisions about making. I know from whenever I've kind of facilitated focus groups or um, sessions that have just gone a little bit awkward, you know, and you can see some stuff kind of happening. You've got to kind of make a choice in that moment, which is, have we got the time and is there the need to go deep? Or do we just then keep it at surface level, which is, okay, should we agree to disagree? Let's now move on because we've only got 10 minutes left. Or if actually this is a team with whom the ability to work together is fundamental to them to succeed, you then pause the agenda. You know, I can see this has really caused some disruption. Shall we explore this further and see see what comes Mm. from it? And then it takes guts. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't have done that in my first couple of years as a trainer. (laughs) But after about 18 years, you know, feeling comfortable enough to go, actually, I can sense there's some conflict rather than running away from it. Let's lean into it because there is a benefit for us as a team, as long as it comes with trust and respect, to go deep beneath the surface, which potentially happens on a Zoom. But when you're there in a room, the chemistry will enable you to go much further in a conversation, um, for good or for bad, that actually then is is worth the investment in time if your um, work is dependent on working well as a team. Yeah, and I think that's that bit, law where you've got to think about how do you start thinking outside the box around what people are saying and I know that's an old cliche but it's about how do you create different new perspectives around what's been going on for people Um, and also I think that bit about you know making sure that people do feel supported enough to have those conversations and you know we still have those huddles if you like or get togethers and even if you've got a family team you know it's still making sure you're connecting to just reflect on the day or you know review what's going for you know what's coming up or just so you're still connecting in some way way um so that i think if there are people that are a mix of um 
working from home and some in the office, it doesn't feel like it's a them and us. It's I think it's our responsibility as managers and leaders to make sure that that team stay cohesive um, and making sure you do keep those huddles going in whatever form it is so that people know that they feel still that they belong. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love getting a, a tip from um, <clears throat> someone this week about how no matter who's based in the physical room or in virtual, every morning there's a huddle to hybrid yeah. and sort of get the team together. But you know, Debs, just sort of calling it out if a team can't be bothered to work out how to socialize well together yeah what's the point of all getting together physically anyway yeah absolutely (laughs) and And if you can't be asked yeah what's what as you say what is that point um because then that just shows actually do you really care about the people that you work with and you know we all want to come to work to feel like we're contributing and valued and you know appreciated for what we are doing and if that's not present you go well i'm not having that you know you know what do you do then you know, is yeah. it just put up with it or do you just make, just go, I'm having enough, I'm out of here. You know, it's a real yeah. difficult one. And I think our responsibility, I think we have to take ownership and accountability for creating the right space and the right environment that people do feel safe. Um, and I, you know, that they can feel like they they can still speak about what's going on without fear of repercussion. And that comes yeah. down to how you set the tone. Yeah, 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 too right. Mm. I, I, th- I think it was the, the phrase I think was attributed to Churchill, but I don't know if it was actually him that said it, which is if we're not going to focus on how to work well together, to restore these social bonds, to rejoin well, then what are the benefits of removing restrictions? We're still restricted in our own minds if we're not kind of actually exercising and those muscles and restretching them again to be able to socialise well. And part of that might then be to be a smart team. You can either sit there squabbling over the next six months about who's right about their map of the world, or you agree to disagree. And if it's worth the time and investment and the space is um, a decent enough space to be able to have that conversation, lean in and have them. Um, But also one of the conversations having with the client this week, part of their business model involves invariably groups of people drinking alcohol together as part of that business um, environment. And I think that's going to be interesting because there'll be the nine to five version of me at the water cooler. But what about that first team Thursday night social? (laughs) Watch out. You know, my my paramedic friend would have certainly have a different perspective on that, watching a team going out for their first team night out. (laughs) That's when you find out people's real beliefs, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) And having to clear up the mess afterwards, which isn't what you want to do, right, really? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Right, come on, give us a a call to action. So let's say that someone has got a big red letter day in their diary next week, which is where we're going to be physically back in uh, the room with each other. What would be a bit of prep that would help convert anxiety to planning? Just checking in with yourself, what what you're thinking, how you're feeling um, and being mindful of I'm going back into that environment and that's okay. I've been there before. So reinforcing that I've done this already. It's just going to be, you know, working out what's different about it this time. Setting up your ground rules, if you like, thinking about how you can ways of working together. Start talking to people now so that when you do go back into the office, um, it's like, oh, we've already had a chat about what you've been doing and what you've been getting up to. Don't just focus on work. Keep that regular communication going is what I would say. And I think in terms of that internal bit, being aware of what might trigger me, how am I going to plan for handling that? Love that idea of a pocket phrase. And without being emotionally distant, 
How am I going to give a two meter emotional space? So we're all able to sort of safely have those water cooler conversations as we wait for the kettle to boil and um, tap into the benefits of being a team in the first place. We are better together. And um, actually tapping into that potential of uh, achieving and supporting each other far more than if we were just there working individually. So smart teams agree to disagree. It's about working well together in these new times that we find ourselves in. Um, So Debs, have a fantastic week. You too. And we shall continue all of these interesting conversations with clients as people wend their way through these new interactions. I think it'd be really good to hear from people as to how they're adapting and adjusting as they are going back into the workplace. You know, so I think reach out to us, let us know what you're doing to help your teams get back into the rhythm of what's important to them. And as always, think of someone in your life who you think would benefit from tapping into some of this thinking. So maybe someone that's a bit nervous about returning or thinks they're going to have a team full of mixed feelings. They're wondering how to be able to handle that. Share the secret. Let us know the impact that then had uh, because we're all in this together. This is one great big, huge learning curve. And the more that we're able to share and exchange, the more we can learn and be able to role model to the next generations who are watching us, they certainly are, how to work well together. Yeah, brilliant. Love it, Law. See you next week. I'll see you next week, Devs. Love Love you. you. Bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email on secretsfromacoach at aol.com or follow us on Instagram at secretsfromacoach.com.